0: Welcome to an exclusive recording of The Shepherd's Path, the seerah of the Prophet ﷺ, taught by Sheikh Muhammad al-Sharif, rahimahullah, in July of 2008. This episode is brought to you by Ilm Spring, Islamic Education for Kids Reimagined, a partnership between Al-Maghrib and Noor Kids. Our mission is to present the beauty of Islam to our children through unique programming that will educate, inspire, and Build character and connect them to a thriving community, an online platform where kids aged nine to 14 can learn what it means to love Islam, to gain a deeper connection with their faith and grow into confident believers with a curriculum designed by experts in Islam and child education. A simple interactive portal and community of friends and mentors around the world, Ilm Spring is the new space for bright young believers. I'm gonna ask you something. I'm just gonna write it down, okay? First thing that comes to your mind. Pen and paper, are you ready? I said, are you ready? It's interesting, there's so many people here, you you guys are so quiet. (laughs) Are you ready? (laughs) Okay, all right. What, you're just gonna answer the question, first thing that comes to your head. What's your number one goal? Write it down, first thing that comes to your head. What's your number one desire? Number one goal, med school. (laughs) <laughs> All right. Who would like to share what they wrote? Yes, Jenna. Jenna? Someone else? Yes. Get married. Okay. Now we got some. <laughs> now we got some honest people talking here. <laughs> I was just like, okay, the fluff stuff. That was just me. Yes. Someone else? Someone else? I'd like to know. This is actually interesting for me. So even if you have something that you think is like silly and stuff like that, I'd like to know. Yes. Someone have something silly? Yes. To please Allah. I said silly, not (laughs) real." See the people who put their hand up are people who are like, I have something to share with everybody that sounds good. I want the people who are like embarrassed to share with everybody. Well, not too embarrassed. Someone else? You're not getting proper representation, that's what I'm saying right here. Okay, who put marriage at the top? Who put marriage? Just raise your hand like halfway. So Everybody knows, so the brother's going to get married tonight, because all the other guys Because <laughs> all the other guys are too embarrassed to. Your hand. All right? Who put like, um, a house? Someone put a house? So did someone put something related to education? Did anybody write down the guidance of humanity? Okay, one brother. Okay, the reason I did this is so that you would see that a lot of what you wrote is usually selfish stuff meaning it concerns you and that's what you'll see the difference between the prophets is they care about others okay it's a very critical difference their greatest desire is your guidance and so Ibrahim السلام, what is the desire the reason I did this is so you could see a comparison between what the prophets are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for what they're living for what they're you know always asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for versus what we ask for sometimes people they made such beautiful du'a that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala loved their du'a so much that, he, that it was included in the Qur'an so you'll see in the verse for example it says and remember when Ibrahim said this this is Ibrahim alayhi salam making du'a to Allah Allah loved the du'a and it's Quran that is, is memorized and recited And we seek for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala By reciting this dua What I did actually when I, on this Umrah trip I took a dua, authentic dua of the Prophet And I went through the book looking for What were the goals of the Prophet What did he make dua for? And so the thing that I noticed That came up in like every dua It was like in every dua I'm talking about like you, you name it and if I, as soon as I tell you every dua that you can think of it will have this in it. What is in every dua? Who would like to answer the question? See, I told you brothers raising their hand No sisters they don't have the answer. Yes, sister. No. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Okay, so point for the sister. Mark it from now. It's istighfar. It's istighfar. Who was the first brother to raise his hand? Who was the first brother? You were going to what were you going to say? What's that? Are you sure? <laughs> I think it's this brother here. Istighfar. Rabbana ghafir Rabbana ghafir Comes up in like, um, almost like every dua. Forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Alright, so the desire of Ibrahim alayhi salam. Ibrahim alayhi salam wanted a child. He was married to Sarah alayhi salam, And she saw they're you know, getting old and, you know, he didn't have a, a child. And so... She gave her slave girl, Hajar, to Ibrahim Ibrahim السلام, had a son from Hajar by the name of Ismail So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you imagine a person hasn't had a child for such a long time now, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, blessed him with a child. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, commanded him to take Hajar, to take Ismail to Mecca. Mecca at that time was a barren valley. It's a barren valley. And Subhanallah, you know one of the amazing things about Mecca, that Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala could have put the Kaaba anywhere on the earth, right? Allah could have put the Kaaba anywhere on the earth. He chose Mecca in the middle of a desert. There's no vegetation, and if you go to Mecca, even if someone, if you tell like a local Saudi person, for example, oh, I'm planning to move to Mecca, they'll be like, "Why are you coming here? Like, there's like nothing. It, it's just the Kaaba," and Subhanallah, Allah made it that. If you go to Mecca, there's nothing else to do in Mecca. It's just the Kaaba. There's, like, there's, no, there's no parks, there's no swimming pools, there's, no, there's none of that stuff. It's just if you're going there, your intention is like you're only going there for the Kaaba. So in this barren valley, Ibrahim salam took his wife, Hajar, and took his son, Ismail, who was a nursing child at that time, nursing child, and he left them there. He just walked away. It's a barren valley. And subhanAllah is one of the Sheikh was saying, like, just a few years back, the the mercy of water, we don't, you know, we just take this water for advantage. In the past, water, how would you, you know, how do you get water in the past? You have to go outside to a well. Correct? When you're thirsty, it's not like you just have, you know, a water bottle you just open and just drink it and so on. Right? You have to go outside to a well, pull water out of a well, and then drink it, and when that water runs out, you're like, that's it, tomorrow, you know, when the, you know, the shepherds go out to get more water like this. So now that water, how precious is that water that you bring for drinking? And for bathing? And for your livestock? And for your food? And all of that stuff, this water is their life. Correct? What if someone is junab and they need to take a shower in the morning? The water is too cold. So what do they have to do? They wake up one hour before Fajr and light a, like a bonfire, a fire, so that they can warm the water. So that they can mix it with the colder water so that they can have a bath before Fajr. And now, what do we do? We sit in the shower for like half an hour just like dumping that water down, right? It's too hot, it's too cold. Just with the turn of a switch. And the, the ni'mah of that water, you just like, I mean, we're all like that. We don't realize. I remember in Hajj time one time, if you've ever been to Hajj, they have these water taps that are like fire hoses. You open it and then the water just gushes, gushes, gushes. I saw some you know people they're just making wudu. You know, and, and the water gushing like that. I saw this person freaking out. He actually started shivering. And he said, What are you people doing to the water? Because he's from a culture living in like in the desert and so on and so forth. You don't do that with water, with this name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And of course, even the Prophet said that you conserve water, even if you're making wudu, or even from the ocean, you're still going to conserve the water. So now in Mecca, there's no water. right? They have water with them. When the water runs out, what do you do? So Ibrahim, salam, he took Hajar, his wife, and took his son Ismail and walked away from them. Okay. So now sometimes you, you, know, you travel, you leave your family and so on and so forth. He left them in the middle of the desert like this. And Hajar is saying to Ibrahim alayhi why are you leaving us? Where are you going? And so on and so forth. Until finally, and, and Ibrahim is not answering it. This is the commandment of Allah. And he walked away from them. And then she said to him, one question. She said, "Allahu bihada. did Allah command you to do this? And this is the only thing he said to her. He said, Naan. he said, "Yes." and then she said, then Allah will not leave us to go astray. And Ibrahim السلام, walked away from Hajar and his son. And Ibrahim, when he walked away, this is the dua that he made. So you see it on the PowerPoint where Ibrahim Alayhi said, Wa if وَرَزُقُهُمْ مِّنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ لَعَلَّهُمْ يَشْكُرُونَ So this is the dua of Ibrahim salam with قَالَ إِبْرَاهِمُ رَبِّ جَعَلْ هَذَا الْبَلَدَ آمِنًا They keep this, this uh, place safe, وَجْنُبْنِي, and protect me, and protect my children, and al الْأَصْنَامِ from worshipping the idols. And then you'll see later in the dua of Ibrahim a.s. He says, um, where he's saying that, Oh my Lord, I've uh, placed my family in a valley that has no vegetation. What was the intention of this? So that the salah would be established. Right? So he's making dua that his children be protected, and he's left his wife and left his son, that the hikmah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, that they would live there, and the salah would be established there. The Kaaba, which is the Qibla of the Muslimin, and all the Muslims are facing in that direction. Hajar alayhi salam, the water that she had, soon ran out, and the story that you're all familiar with, that now she has um, a nursing child that has no water. They have no water. And they're in the barren valley, and Ibrahim alayhi salam has left. And so she ran to Mount Safa looking for um, someone, maybe you know she climbed up on this hill so that if she could see someone in the distance possibly that could give her water. In her fear and you know, in the, um, the anxiety of the situation, she then ran to Marwa to see if from the other direction possibly someone is coming from that direction. And they say, may the mercy of Allah be upon Hajar السلام, uh, Because she went back to Safa and she was just there. Meaning like she just went there and she went to Marwah and she went back to Safa. Meaning that she already checked in that direction. There's nobody coming there. But to show you that she had no options. There's nothing that she could do. Until her crying baby that Jibreel alayhi came down. And at his feet, Jibreel alayhi hit the ground and the zamzam came up. And so um, Hajar alayhi she came and she gathered the water together and made a well, you know, compiled it, saying Zem, Zem, she compiled it. And then there, her and Ismail, her son Ismail, they began living. And then there was the tribes, you know, the Yemeni tribes are coming. They saw birds uh, flocking around the waterhole, and then they came and they asked her permission to come and live. And you see also their honor, their nobility, they're not taking the water away from her. They ask her permission if they're like the nomad tribes. if They can come. They're following the water, right? And then they live there. And Mecca began to thrive based on the water, based on Zamzam. And it's pretty amazing when you know one of the miracles of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala you go to Mecca until today you're still drinking from that well. You're still drinking from the well and everybody's drinking and drinking and drinking and drinking and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps providing for us thousands of years later. Ibrahim alayhi salam in this dua, he's praying for his children رَبَّنَا وَبَعَثْ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِّنْهُمْ O my Lord, send amongst them a messenger. يَتْلُوْ عَلَيْهِمْ آيَاتِكَ الْكِتَابُ وَالْحِكْمَةُ right Send amongst the messenger. So Ibrahim salam, you look at the wisdom of his dua, he's asking, O oh, Allah, protect me and protect my offspring. O oh, Allah, make them establish their salah. O oh, Allah, send amongst them a messenger. And the Prophet Muhammad s.a.w. said that he was... The answer of Ibrahim salam's du'a, his father Ibrahim salam, was that, O oh, Allah, send amongst them a messenger. And that was Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu alayhi Wasallam. And you see that in this du'a here, where it says, Our Lord, and raise up in their midst a messenger from amongst them who shall recite unto them thy revelations, and shall instruct them in the scripture and in wisdom, and shall make them grow. Lo, thou, only thou art the mighty, the wise. And so that was the desire of Ibrahim salam. Ibrahim السلام, is planting seeds. A lot of time uh, when people plant seeds, they're looking for immediate results to what they're planting. And when they don't see the immediate results, like let's say for example you establish like a halaq on your community, establish a masjid, and you start noticing that not too many people are coming, or it doesn't seem like people are benefiting. Of course, you try to benefit the people, but at the same time you have to plant these seeds. And hopefully, inshallah, Taala, as time goes by, Trees will grow from there, and later generations might benefit from it. So you'll see, for example, in Al Taif, the Prophet ﷺ, when you know, and the people of Al Taif, they rejected the Prophet ﷺ, and he could have um, requested Allah to destroy them. But the Prophet ﷺ is not destroying them because the next generation another phase will come on the people that perhaps Allah will bring from their offspring those who will worship Allah. And that's the case. Ta'if is a Muslim place, and of the places of the first to keep firm on the deen after the death of the Prophet ﷺ. Actually, Ta'if, just like a point, and it'll come up later, but when the Prophet ﷺ passed away, most of the Arabs turned their backs on the deen except Mecca, Medina, and al Ta'if. Even though Ta'if it was one of the hardest days on the Prophet ﷺ, they were of the few that stayed firm on their deen. Someone, one of their leaders amongst them had said to them that you people were the last ones to become Muslim. He said, so don't be the first ones to apostate. And so that advice that he gave to them, you know, it kept them firm on the truth and Al-Ta'if stayed Muslim. You'll also see in the du'a of Ibrahim is making du'a for your children. Making du'a for your children. In my uh, research of what the Prophets would pray for, they prayed for children of the dunya things, they're praying for children and they're asking uh, things for their children. Normally parents, they pray for their children, correct? But what do they pray? A parent usually prays for their children to do good on their exams, their MCATs and their, you guys call it MCAT? (coughs) To do good on their exams and to do good in their dunya. And it is the sunnah of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that what you make dua for, Allah will answer from that dua. So if you make dua for the dunya, you will get it. But there's nothing waiting for you in the hereafter. If all you focused on was on dunya, Allah Subhanahu wa Taala says, "فَمِنَ <laughs> that there are amongst the people those who they pray to Allah for the dunya. They're actually asking, Oh Allah, give me money, give me house, give me, get me married, give me, you know, do good on my exams, dunya, 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 dunya. They nev- in their heart, in their intention, is nothing of the hereafter. And so they will get from the dunya. But there's nothing waiting for them in the hereafter. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمِنَ النَّاسِ مَن رَبَّنَا آتِنَا فِي الدُّنْيَا حَسَنَةً وَفِي الْآخِرَةِ حَسَنَةً there are those. So it's not that you do the opposite of those people and don't pray for the dunya. You're praying for both. Because that's not, not the natural way to not pray for the dunya. You're praying for the dunya and the hereafter. So you're saying, Oh Allah, give me goodness, hasana, in this dunya, and give me goodness, hasana, in the akhirah and protect me from hellfire. So Ibrahim a.s. is praying for his children. What is he asking Allah for his children? What does he want for his children? What does it say? What is he asking Allah for? Okay, establishment of salah. Also asking for guidance as well. Establishment of salah. Rabbana li الْصَلَاةِ salah. And we and we talked about this in the Surah Al-Baqarah class, the difference between salah and iqamatus salah. My Lord so that they would establish the salah, right? Rabbana li الْصَلَاةِ salah, so that the salah would be established. The Prophet Sallallahu his name is Muhammad. Muhammad means the praised one, the one worthy of praise. We're not going to talk too much about his birth Sallallahu Alaihi but just so you know, the person who named him was his grandfather, Abdul Muttalib. The person who named him Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam was Abdul Muttalib, and Allah guided Abdul Muttalib to name him this name, Muhammad. So the name Muhammad wasn't known amongst the Arabs, wasn't known amongst the Arabs uh, this name. So, you know, they would name according to their grandfathers' names. You know, it's like, here's the fathers, great grandfathers, and so on. This is their culture, though, you know, like, name a person according to their great grandfather, and so on. So, it was asked of Abdul Muttalib, why did he do this? Why did he name him Muhammad? So, his statement in response was, Aradtu an yahmadahullahu fi sama wa yahmadahul khalqu fil ard. He said, My desire was so that Allah in the heavens would praise him. And that the, the human beings on earth would praise him as well. And so the Prophet wasallam from this day Muhammad, that he was the most praised person throughout all history. The desire of the Prophet wasallam was what? It is the guidance of humanity. Is it the guidance of humanity at his time? or after he dies, it's the guidance of humanity till the day of judgment, right? The guidance of humanity till the day of judgment. And I thought about it, you know, big desires, like he's not just, you know, oh, I'm going to give da'wah to my community, he's like, I'm going to give da'wah to all human beings till the day of judgment, meaning that they will continue to get guidance even after I'm dead. I thought of someone else who has big desire. Who do you think I'm thinking of? Shaitan. Shaytan. <laughs> Shaytan's got huge desire. Does Shaytan have huge desire? Shaytan, as soon as he's uh, expelled from paradise, he asks Allah, "Oh Allah, allow me to live till the day of judgment, so that I can misguide every human being." He's not like he, there's no racism involved. <laughs> Every human being, you know, over, you know, one trillion humans misguided or whatever it is. This is Iblis' desire. And I have, a, I have a CD, I even, you know, just contemplated all the things that Shaytan doesn't stop, won't leave you alone. All these things so that you will be misguided. Desire at the highest level. So Umar radiallahu anhu, we're speaking about Umar, he said, uh, there's a statement, he said, أعوذ We're talking about desires here. He said, I seek Allah's protection from a time and a place where the fasiq, the fasiq is like the disobedient person, is enthusiastic and full of energy. And the taqi, the God-fearing person, is lazy and lethargic and, and so on. Because when that happens, there's an imbalance. And those who are enthusiastic, like if you look at people who go to the pubs, right? You guys call it pubs here? If they go to a pub, how long do they wait there? They wait in line for how long? I remember I was driving uh, downtown in Ottawa with my father. And he saw all these people standing around and stuff like that. Obviously, they're waiting for, my, for a pub. And my father's like, what are they waiting for? Is that like a supermarket? They're having discounts or something like that? <laughs> During the day, yeah, maybe they do that. But at night people are waiting in line for like 1 hour, 2 hours, you know, paying extra so they can get in line and so on. And then how long do they stay in those pubs for? They might all night long, like qiyamul layl. Qiyamul layl means to, to um like to have vigilance of the whole night, qiyamul layl. And they'll literally they'll stay up all night in that. And then a Muslim, uh, like a lot of Muslims won't be waking up for fajr. In a situation like that, the fasiq He's much more stronger than a believer. And when that happens, there's an imbalance and then tables turn, correct? And then you might find another place, if you're in Medina, for example, at two o'clock in the morning, people are walking around. What are they doing? They're going for Qiyam al-Layl, <laughs> the real Qiyam al-Layl, right? Two, three o'clock in the morning, where normally, you know, you can get beaten up anywhere else around the world. This is like, you know, people are going for a Salah, people are, you know, these are righteous people that are waking up at two o'clock in the morning, desires. Anyhow.